An important part of leadership is providing accountability, but a lot of us struggle with exactly how to do this, especially when many of us know the importance of engagement and appropriate autonomy. On this episode, the five steps you need to hold people accountable. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 306. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. I'm so glad you joined in today. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I know you'll grab a bunch of things that'll be helpful to you. If you've been listening for a long time, today a conversation that I know will be helpful to you as well. Be very practical on a word that we think about in terms of leadership, but we don't often use as much as maybe we should. And today's guest is going to be talking a lot about the word authority and the importance of zeroing in on that word. And around authority, we're going to be talking about a topic today that is one that is challenging for a lot of us of how do we keep accountability within the people that we lead? And how do we do that in such a way that doesn't micromanage and yet at the same time really keeps people in the organization moving forward and also embraces the growth that so many of us are looking for in the workplace? And so I'm really glad to welcome Jonathan Raymond to the show today. After 20 years of not being able to decide if he was a business guy or a personal growth teacher, Jonathan stopped trying to figure it out. In 2015, he launched Refound, where his team and him work with organizations to create a company culture based in personal growth. In a past life, he was the CEO and chief brand officer at Emith, where he threw his heart and soul into the transformation of a well-known coaching brand. And he is the author of the new book, Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, the pleasure is mine. And as I was mentioning in the introduction here, we don't often hear the word authority first when we talk about leadership. It's, it's, it's one of those words that when I first picked up the book, I was wondering why you zeroed in on that uh, word. And I have a sense of that now, having read the book, but I'm wondering if you could frame that term for us and why zero in on the word authority? What I noticed, and this was really, you know, well, I know we'll get into, you know, kind of how we got here. But I think that the the thing for me was seeing this shift where in the past, you know, we we came from these sort of command and control, top-down models of authority. And I think as a as a business culture, especially on the West Coast, but really in, you know, evolving business culture generally in the States and around the world, people start to see the limits, let's say, of those type of approaches. And we moved away from them, but I think we moved too far to the other extreme where we tried, especially in the last kind of 10, 12 years, we tried what I'll call no authority or, you know, sort of we're all on the same team. And I think the sweet spot, like a lot of things, is in the middle. I think we need uh, hierarchy in organizations. We need less of it than we, than we typically have had. But there's a, there's a place in the middle where we can embrace and really show up uh, as an authority that, that feels good. And I think the reason why we've been so scared of that word is because we have so many past experiences of authority that didn't feel good. But there's a way to be an authority, to embrace, to step into that role as a leader where you do set boundaries, where you are clear about expectations, and there are consequences for not showing up in the way the organization needs. 
But there's a way to do that with an open heart, and that's what I tried to present in Good Authority. It really, uh, I, I, I got a sense of that complexity and that balance in your work. And uh, one of the other things that really struck me as I was reading through the book is you say in the book that the deepest purpose of business is to change the lives of the people who work there. I think that's probably one of the reasons that the section of your book that is called the accountability dial and really outlines five steps to accountability, and and we'll talk about this in some depth here, I, I imagine, in a moment. It struck me for two reasons, Jonathan. One, the practical nature of it and the value of it for leaders. And the second reason I think it struck me is it does just that. It gives leaders a framework for how to make people's lives better and careers better because a lot of times like you said you know we we want to do that there's the desire to do that but there's not necessarily the okay what do i actually do when i need to sit down and have a conversation with the intention of really making someone's career and life better so that the business does what it's supposed to do exactly and that and that was the problem that i was bumping up against as a leader you know i i i went through many years of education in different forms. I had a lot of work experience in different managerial roles and nobody ever taught me how to do that. And I wasn't seeing any really good training at the granular communication skills, right? Where most leaders are well-intentioned people, but then we get in a room with another human being and it's complex and there's a lot of emotion and there's, a, there's history and, we, and we're lost and, and, and it's uncomfortable, right? And we're not used to being uncomfortable as leaders. We don't like being in that place. And so when we're uncomfortable and we're in a position when we think people are watching us, then there's something that we're not good at. What do we do? We tend to avoid it. Mm. And so the idea of the accountability dial as a framework, as a map for a conversation, so leaders can get a little more confidence, say, you know what? I can have that conversation. I can start it. I can deepen it. I can guide it. I can set boundaries because I know where I am. I'm not guessing. I'm not just, hey, I have some feedback for you. And then it's sort of like, flying by the seat of my pants. I don't really know what's going to happen or where. I have no intention behind it. So the accountability dial is to provide structure to those good intentions so that we have those conversations proactively. And then we, and then we not just we, but the person that we're trying to help knows where they stand. And that's the, the biggest complaint that we hear. Uh, and these are in well-intentioned uh, clients of ours, customers who are doing everything to try to co- create a people-first business. Employees, they don't know where they stand. They don't know where they are in the heart, mind, and soul of the persons, the people that they work closely with, and that's really a tragedy. So the accountability dial is designed to to solve that, among other things. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was thinking back to past times we've talked on the show about feedback and accountability, and I don't think we've ever really looked at it from a framework of exactly what to do step by step. And as as you mentioned, of course, every situation is a little bit different. Every you know, human beings are complex, and yet there is a framework to follow. And so I'm wondering if we could dive down into the dial a bit and yeah. look at the steps of, you mentioned, you, you say in the book that the first step in the accountability dial is something you call the mention. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What does is, what is the mention look like? So the first, uh, the first concept, what we tried to do, we'll take, you know, we'll probably get through, I think we'll get through all of them, the mention, the invitation, the conversation, the boundary, and the limit. Okay. And I hope what people get from that at first is like, Try, we tried not to do this in a sort of consultant-y, sort of lingo-heavy way. It's the mention, the invitation, they are what they, they are what they sound like. So the mention is literally that. It's, it's literally putting a piece of data in front of somebody so that they can see something that happened that they might not have noticed, right? 
So it could be as simple as, you know, hey, you seem a little bit out of it today. Is there something going on? Or, you know, I noticed, and, you know, in this proposal we sent out, uh, I, you know, I saw that we did this and I wasn't sure, uh, I wasn't, it wasn't exactly clear to me, you know, if I was the customer, I think I, I think I would have had a little hard time, you know, understanding what, what we meant there. It's just, it's just like that little mention to, to, to send a message to somebody that there's something that you saw that you didn't fully understand, or you didn't really know what it meant, or you you were curious about, you were curious enough to to offer up a, a, a mention and say, hey, here's something that I saw that I think is worth us taking a second look at. And that's it, right? And when we work with managers and leaders in our in our seminars, that's surprisingly hard to do, right? Is to just make a mention and not go into solution mode. And what I think you should do is this, and you should go talk to this person. Like, and so we, we, we start the conversation, the feedback conversation, the accountability conversation, typically with way too much. And then the person doesn't know where to go with it. And they feel like they got a bunch of instructions and they didn't get any mentoring. So the idea around the mention is just the barest amount of information that you need to articulate to be able to start a conversation. Your goal is not to have an accountability conversation in 15 minutes on a Wednesday, right? It's to start a dialogue with somebody. And the mention is just, hey, here's this thing, and I think it's worth looking at. Let's come back to it later today. Let's come back to it tomorrow. And you're, you're setting up a space for somebody to take ownership of that issue for themselves, which is the thing that we all want from the people around us. So the language here is really intentional. It really is just a mention. And what do you find is helpful for leaders to keep themselves from trying to go too far with that of, of like you said, giving advice or giving feedback? Is, is there something that you find when you're coaching people that helps with that? Uh, yeah, I would say that the, the best place, the marker to know if you're on track is, is it open-ended, right? Does it say, is it like, rather than, you know, it doesn't always take the form of a question, but it will often take the form of a question. So I would say, you know, look at, look for those moments where, can you keep it open-ended? Can you say, hey, you know, actually, I don't, I don't need a specific answer right now. This is something I'd like you to think about. And then let's talk about it later, where you put the onus on them to take the proactive step to come back to you. That's when you know that you're using the mention in an effective way. And so how is that um, different from the second step, which is the invitation? What's the prompt that would get us thinking that we need to go further? So typically what happens with anyone who's in a manager position, management position, and to me, you're, if you're the CEO, you're a manager, or you better be. And you know everyone in the organization, and, and oftentimes these days, you might be in a project lead role, lead engineer, you might not have direct reports, but you have occasion. You observe people as they go through their day. You see things that you think people could improve upon. So I want to expand that notion of management, make sure that we that we keep that. Uh, but what typically happens for us is we observe specific instances of problematic behavior. Let's take you know responsive communication. We see somebody on our team who you know we send them emails and they don't respond, and then you know somebody makes a change in project management software and they don't and they don't update it. They're they're not responsive, right? They they don't keep their agreements when it comes to communication. And usually what happens is we kind of watch that go by and we don't say anything. And then a whole bunch of time goes by and then we try to have the conversation, right? The gap is we kind of let that behavior go by. So we miss a whole bunch of opportunities to use the mention. And then we try to have the conversation and we try to sit somebody down and give them, you know, all this feedback about how they're performing and, 
you know, we and we expect that conversation to go well, and it typically doesn't, right? Because people feel defensive. They feel like, well, why didn't you tell me that last week? Well, and then that what they ask for is they say, well, can you give me some specific examples of when that happened? Right. That's the purpose of the invitation, right? So you've named it once. You've brought up something in using the mention. You've brought up a, a one instance. But typically speaking, you know, think about your own life. When somebody mentions something to you once, do you change your behavior overnight? No, of course you don't, right? You need that person to come back to you and say, hey, you know, there's something that I mentioned to you the other day. It's actually ha happened a couple of times. And, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't want it to affect our relationship. So I wanted to bring that back around to you. That's the spirit of the invitation, right? And again, it's different in different contexts. And um, that's the art of kind of learning how to use the tool. Uh, the tool is that structure, that map that we talked about. But it's it's that you don't want to get yourself in that position where someone says, well, can you give me some examples now that you've given me this intense feedback of how I've not been showing up in the right way? And now you've got to kind of rewind your memory and we'll remember this meeting that we had and well, this thing. And it's it's not actionable anymore. So the invitation is how can you bring two or three or four instances together? And again, not in a heavy handed way, not in an authoritarian way, but in the spirit of, hey, I'd, I'd like to help you grow. I think there's I think there's something that I'm seeing that, you know, like we all we all need people in our lives to come back to us and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, fill in the blank. That's what the invitation is. Hey, there's this has happened a couple of times or here's a couple of things. And I don't really know how they're connected, but something's going on. Like, do you do you have a sense of what might be going on for you? That's how you open a conversation with someone where they feel seen where they feel like they have a voice rather than you saying, you know, here's the five things that you screwed up and you should go change them. So this is a, I'm hearing a lot of curiosity in how you're framing that. I'm also hearing a lot of, uh, you know, this is a couple of mentions. So there's a few examples. So there's almost a detective like quality of this is we're trying to work with the other person to really figure out, you know, what's, what's going on. Is there a connection here? Mm hmm. That's right. And, and, the, and the key here is, and this is the, some people do this naturally, it's rare, but some people do this naturally, is accountability, at least accountability in the way, the, in the way I think the modern world is calling for it. Accountability doesn't work unless there's a context of personal caring, right? Unless you feel like, hey, this person is actually trying to help me, then your feedback, however well-intentioned, is, is not going to land well. Just the power of being a human being. I mean, it's as obvious as that is in some ways. So many of our organizations and work culture has taught us how to do that differently. You know, be professional, put on your manager hat. And yet that personal connection makes makes a big difference. And, th and this is the thing that, you know, leaders and managers are terrified of. And it's the secret to creating trust is honesty, right? Is honesty and transparency. You like, you know, if you take, if you're having a, a terrible sales month, right, and you're a leader, a manager, and you're afraid to tell everybody, hey, we're having a terrible sales month, like, guess what? They already know. They already know, yeah. The, <laughs> the, only, the only thing that's problematic is you're trying to hide it, right? <laughs> they already know that. They're already feeling you anxious. They're already seeing you kind of walk too fast down the hall and having too much coffee and, right. you know, working too late. They already know that. The only difference is you're not being transparent about it. And if you were, they would all relax. They would be like, Oh, thanks for saying something. Yeah, we were wondering. And and now we can have a conversation about fixing it. I love it. All right. So this leads to potentially the conversation. And as I was as I was reading through the book, I, I got the sense that the conversation is really just a really important thing to navigate and to think through. 
what does it look like? What is it? What's the reason for the, getting to the conversation? And then how does that show up actually in a dialogue? The key thing about the conversation is, and again, we're, we're focused on a map here, right? We're not just willy nilly having one-on-one meetings. Hey, what's going on for you? Hey, was, how was your weekend? Right. These, you know, like you know, work, it's about work, 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 work. And then, you know, how was your weekend? Right. That's not achieving work-life integration. So, so you've given some, you've pointed out a specific thing that you want somebody to think about. That's the mention. You've now brought that forward into some specific examples, right? Hey, this happened a couple of times and, you know, you know, it's not that I'm hugely worried, but I think it's something that we should work on. You're, 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 you're getting in a dialogue with somebody and then the purpose of the conversation and, and, you know, in most situations, it's going to be the conversations. Uh, Think of the conversation as your one-on-one, right? So let's assume you meet with somebody weekly or every other week. Uh, we recommend uh, weekly with our clients as you know as, as as much as you can, but the idea is you want to bring the specific instances. Let's say it's again we'll use that example around responsive communication. You've been talking with them a little bit about it. You gave them some some real time or near time feedback about it. You pointed out some specific examples. Now the conversation is how does that turn into impacts? Not they're a bad person because they're they struggle responding to email, but how does that behavior impact the world around them? That's the purpose of the conversation. And so there are four questions. So let's say it's responsive communication. How, when, they, when they're struggling to keep track of their inbox and respond to emails or, or, or whatever it is, whatever, you know, whatever tools the company is using in a timely way, in a responsive way, how does that make life harder for teammates? That's one question. That's one topic of conversation. How does that make life more difficult for customers or vendors or stakeholders, right? How is it making things harder for them in their relationship with you as their manager? How is it creating maybe unnecessary tension or or difficulty? And most importantly, how is it holding them back? How is it impacting them personally from taking the next step in their career? And it's that focus, the the spirit of the conversation is focusing on impacts. Nobody intends to be a, a lousy uh, communicator, right? We don't go to work thinking like, oh, I'm really going to screw everybody up today by not responding to any emails. Like nobody does that. And yet we all do things that, you know, take our team sideways and our organizations less productive than, than we want them to be and the organization wants to be. The key is in that conversation frame is to help somebody see how an, an innocent behavior or even the, you know, maybe it's a marginally unconscious behavior, whatever it is, that it's having a much bigger impact than they think, than they've actually taken the time to think about. And that's how you, oh, and then, the, and then there's that magic moment when you help them do that, where they go, oh my, I had no idea that I was doing that. And thank you so much for helping me see the impacts. I never would have put those things together. I didn't think it was that big a deal, but now I get it, right? It's not just about the company. This is about me. I don't want to be that person, right? I don't want to be the person that everyone's always chasing. Like that's not the reputation I want to build for myself here. And so by, by again, in that open open authority, right? Like open, curious, mentoring, coaching, whatever word you want to use, whatever word fits for you, where you're bringing information to somebody in a spirit of helping them learn about themselves so that they can grow and become that next better version of themselves. That's the purpose of the conversation. Don't put the pressure on yourself to try to accomplish that in 20 minutes. Tell, talk with your team. Hey, this is what I want us to do in our one-on-ones. These are the kinds of conversations that I want us to be having. And it's not just one way. Right? It's not just me giving you feedback. This is a two-way conversation. Yes, I'm the manager, but this is a two-way conversation. And I'm guessing that that result gets there much more quickly and much more successfully if you've been doing a good job of making the mentions 
and giving the invitation versus just jumping into that and someone just coming up with it blind, you know, a week or so after something happened or a month or so after something happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the the my 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 informal data and in working with our with our clients is almost I would say approaching 100% of the time the old method just doesn't work. Right? It's this that's why we're talking about something practical here. It just doesn't work, right? If we don't give that feedback in real time or near time, we don't give people specific examples, and we don't demonstrate to them that we actually care about them and their growth, it doesn't work. Except in in a fear-based system which ultimately backfires in one form or another. I was out of my office for four or five days, Jonathan. I came back this morning and had a full inbox. And one of the emails was from Susan David, who was on the show recently. And she uh, had sent a message and mentioned that in South Africa, where she grew up, there's a Zulu greeting. And the word is Sawabona. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And apparently that means I see you. And by seeing you, I bring you into being. Mm. And I was thinking about that in the context of our conversation right now, because when I was when I was reading through the book and and you were articulating the conversation and some of the dialogue that happens, one of the things that I, I couldn't help but the word that kept coming up for me is acknowledgement, like acknowledging mm-hmm. the other person and where they are, that that I see you and I bring you into being. How how can we get better at that? Because I think that for a lot of us, it's it we, we get so caught up in ourselves when we're having a conversation as a manager or leader that we don't take the time to just look at the other person and say, I, I see where you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. And I think that the shift is from like most things in our world, we have to move from the words to the actions. And I think we're, we're, we're good. And I mean, not in a good way. We're good at using the words. Hey, we really value you here. Hey, we were really interested in your feedback. Hey, we want to have a two-way conversation. We're really good at the words. Yeah. We're really lousy at the actions. Yeah. And yeah. so the the purpose the, or the shift is to stop using the words. Just don't use the words. Make the actions. Take the steps. Demonstrate to people that you actually care. I love that that phrase. That I know I can think of other cultural equivalents of that fa- of, of that phrase. We don't have one in English in American culture, which is a shame. Uh, where we where that's really embedded in the way we we greet each other. Right. We have the opposite. We have the, the, the question that nobody really takes seriously, like, hey, how are you doing? Right. That nobody really answers. Right. Nobody really means. Right. Uh, but I think it's in that shift, the actions. And I, and I want to make one very clear point. It's not only in the positive. Right. It's very important. It's, it's more important in some ways to offer the recognition, to offer the praise, to offer the acknowledgement in a positive way. But what employees are hungry for, they want growth. And growth comes from productive discomfort. So if you orient your day towards acknowledgement only on the positive side, you're missing the better part of it. People want difficult conversations. They want to hear the thing that's hard to hear. There are very few people, most people go through their life with nobody who has the guts to tell them what they see in a way that can help that person grow and is willing to suffer the slings and arrows of, I can't believe they said that to me, right? Very few people are willing to do that. And so the way you make the, the shift from the words to the actions is to be there for them in the small moments to say, hey, you know, I know I could probably let this go, but in the spirit of helping you grow, I want to point this out to you. And there, you know, there, were, there was a couple of typos in the newsletter that went out yesterday. You know, and again, I don't, you know, probably not everybody noticed, but I noticed. And you know, I, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say something, right? Oh, and you know, the, those moments... That's, that's bringing somebody into existence, right? Because they did that and they deserve better. 
They deserve a manager who cares enough about them to say, hey, I know that's not the best version of you. Let's see what we can do to, to how do we need to reorganize your day? What, do we, what skill do you need that you don't have that we haven't helped you develop? What, what's, what's stuck in relationship? What's going on in an organization that's making it hard for you to be your best self? Let's work there. And that's how we bring that into reality. Oh, gosh, so, so much there. And my sense in reading through the book, you didn't say this explicitly, but is if that if you do these first three well, if you get to that point where you're doing the mentions, the invitations, and having the conversation, that, that if you truly do that well, you're going to resolve a lot of situations before they ever have to get further. And, and of course, there are still times that, that you don't. And so I think that's where the boundary and the limit come in, right? Why would you go to the next levels? And, and how are those different than where we've been so far with the conversation? Yeah, so it's a great question. I love how you how you arced that conversation. I can see you. I'd be a great manager because you're really good at keeping us on track, Dave. Um, but so the 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 idea around the the boundary and the limit is, you know, if you think about your own life, right? Like if you think about your fitness goals, or you know, let's say you're wanting to quit smoking or lose weight, or you're wanting to work on your marriage because you know things are not going well in a in a, in a love relationship, right? Sometimes in our life, the conversation isn't enough. Right. Sometimes we need a boundary. Someone sometimes we need someone in our life who says, look, you know, I know you've been working at this, but like it's not it's not moving fast enough for me or I still don't feel like you you're really getting what I mean. And and I don't really know what else to do. Right. That's the boundary. The spirit is like, hey, I don't I, I you know, I feel like we're working at this and it's not that there's no change. There's some change, but it's not it's not really working to the level that, that I think either of us really wants it to. So it's an acknowledgement of hey, we're at the next level of something needs to change here. And we need this as human beings. Like we're, we're very squirmy, squirrely beings, right? We're, we're really good at getting out of uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And so it's in, in service of saying to somebody, hey, in this, this is in the spirit of helping you grow, whether you're here for one more month or 10 more years, the, the ability to do this thing that you're struggling with right now, it's really important. And, and so that's why I'm, that's why I'm, staying here with you. And I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's an awkward conversation and I know we would both rather talk about something else, but this is the thing that's going to help you grow most quickly. And it's also the thing that's going to help our team the most quickly and the organization. So we're going to stay here. That's the boundary, right? And that's where great managers really show up is they don't let it slide, right? They don't let a bunch of behavior go by, give somebody a bunch of feedback and then, and then don't do anything about it, right? When the behavior doesn't change. And I say this knowing, because I've done it myself, we've all done this, right? We've all let that problematic person, uh, they're not problematic as a human being, but their behavior surely is. We've let them stick around in our organization for six months too long, for six years too long. They're driving everybody else nuts, but we fool ourselves into thinking, oh, well, they have this great technical skill. Look, if all you have is a technical skill and you don't know how to work well with your team, you're costing 10 times more than you're worth. We all know this, but it's really hard to act on that. That's what the boundary is for, is to say, look, you're making a good individual contribution, but it's not worth it. And the cost and the impacts you're having on the people around you, that has to change or we're going to have, we got to do something else. Yeah. How's that different than the limit then? And then the limit is when you, when you've tried that, right. And, you know, it depends on the organization, whether it's like a pit pro, you know, some kind of formal process where, you know, I've had this conversation, you know, it's, it's very difficult to find good people who are really a fit for your organization. It's a competitive market. The last thing we want to do is let somebody go and have to train somebody new and deal with the cost of all of that. And we're all keenly aware of the cost of that in our organization. We want it to work if it can work. Sometimes what somebody needs is that like that really soulful moment 
at the end of a, of a conversation to say, look, I feel like we've tried everything and, and I don't have any more coaching and I don't have any more mentoring. And this is really, this is on you. Like, do you want to work here or not? And maybe this isn't the right place for you. I've been at that place in my career where I just felt, you know what, it's just not the right fit for me anymore. And, I, and it's time for me to move on. And I, I, that's where we're at. And I'd love for you to do some thinking over the weekend and, and, you know, tell me, and you know, come back to me, like, what am I missing? Is there, is there something we haven't tried? You know, it's that, it's sort of that Hail Mary moment with somebody. And I, and I say this because it works, right? Because one of two things will happen. They will either discover that, that other gear that they have not been able to find. They'll go to somebody in their life. They'll go to their brother or their sister or their husband or their wife. And they'll say, you know, and then that person will say to them, you know what? They're right. This, you do need to change this. And I don't, I don't know why you're kicking and screaming so much. Like, why don't you just do what they're asking? Because it's really right on. I know you don't like how they said it and blah, 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 but they're really trying to help you. They, and they'll either come back with a newfound availability in themselves, or they will self-select out. They will come back and they will say, you know what? I thought about it and I've decided to move on. And either one of those is a fabulous outcome for the health of the organization. Is there a... And I mean, I'm guessing as I'm ans- asking this question, I'm I'm guessing there's different answers for every situation. But is there a general framework as far as a time frame, or um, is your coaching people to, on how to think about these things and when to go to the next step? Uh, do you find that there's a, a good framework that works as far as you know, take a week here, take a week there, or does it really just up to the leader to make decisions in at each of these steps of when to go to the next one? You know, one of the tools that we have on the site at refound.com slash resources, which I think we'll probably throw in the show notes, there's a there's a tool in there that sort of helps you discover like is this a is this a this week thing? Is this a this month thing? Or is this a this year thing? Right? Like a lot of the things that we're talking about, these are not behaviors or patterns that people can change overnight. That's not a realistic framework, right? There there are there are some things that people can change in a month, but you know, the 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 idea would be, you know, what's something that somebody can make a meaningful shift on over the course of, let's say, six months, right? Like, it's, if it, because if it's, if it's not that kind of, then it's probably not a really meaningful personal growth theme. If it's something that you can change in a day, well, that's not really that hard then, right? It should be something that's, that's hard, right? It should be, you know, getting over your fear of, you know, speaking up in public places or, or, you know, being able to challenge authority in a respectful way or, or being able to stick to, you know, timelines and commitments. Those are difficult habits to change. We need some time with that. So I would say, you know, a personal growth project, I would peg it in the kind of three to six month category. And then, you know, that's your spirit overall. Maybe when you finish one project, you move on to the next one. And then where it gets really interesting or equally interesting is when you're focused on on positive ones because accountability is a positive. Hey, I want by the end of this year, you've talked about wanting to, you know, wanting to get promoted. You know, these, this is what this conversation looks like. Here's where I need you to be. In order to support you at the next level in the organization, you know, let's let's work on that for the next year. So don't think of accountability as only, you know, remediating problematic behaviors. It's also reinforcing and accelerating the growth of good ones. And it's a continual conversation. It's not a one time or just at the review period. It's it's that ongoing dialogue to continually move people forward and, like you've said, to, to benefit them as much as the organization, if not more so. Exactly. I mean, think about if anyone is a parent or aspires to be a parent, like imagine you're raising your kid 
and you know you've got them for you know the better their all of their teenage years and you had like one conversation with them yeah. right right yeah. no you would never do that you talk with them every day sometimes you talk with them for many hours in a in a given day you're you're in a perpetual conversation with them because you love them because you care about them because you want to help this person grow and you're you're not in romantic love or familial love with the people in your in your organization but you better care and you better care in a in a in a robust way or you have no business being a manager in the modern world Tim Sanders was on the show talking about love recently and just the importance of utilizing that word in the business place and we're hearing it from yeah. you too Jonathan I mean just the importance of of that that uh, that 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 attitude that we have and how we approach these relationships uh you know, we're scratching the surface here. I mean, one of the things I love that you do in the book is go through in great detail, like the art of having the <laughs> conversation and the dialogue and just the language that's being used and the acknowledgement like we were talking about. Uh, and, and there's so much more for folks to get on the website. I know you recommend folks going to refound.com and then the resources page. Tell us more about uh, what folks will find if they go there. So we've got a lot of our uh, manager uh, manager tools, right? So for whatever level you're at in the organization, we have our our one-on-one meeting guide, which is just a short PDF and easy download with kind of our best practices, take some of the ideas from this conversation and kind of like a handy thing you can keep on your desktop, uh, virtual or otherwise. And there's a a growth meeting guide that we talked about kind of how to structure accountability conversation. There's a, a large format PDF or infographic for the accountability dial itself, and then there's a video there. You know, a lot of the a lot of the work we do is with you know chief people officers and CHROs and 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 HRVPs on how to bring these these kind of tra- this training methodology into the organization. So if that's you, you'll you'll find a lot of great resources there and reach out to us. If that's if if you work in an organization and that's not you, we would certainly love to be introduced to the person who is in that role. Uh, we work with a lot of uh, HR and, and people leaders um, in in you know how we bring this this work in they're often the doorway in for us. And so whether you're, uh, whoever the person is in your organization who's who's tasked with, you know, thinking about these issues and leadership and management, they'll find a lot on our website. So we're going to be linking up to all of that in the show notes. And Jonathan, I have uh, one other question for you. We talk a lot about failure in our community as a means to help us all to learn and grow. You've had a lot of successes, of course, in your career, but what's the biggest leadership failure that you've had? Uh, it's very... Um, uh, real in my mind because it was, uh, I guess, in a good way. It really blended my personal and professional life. Where this was back in, you know, I would say, kind of the spring of 2014, 2013, late 2014, and I had really come up against the limits. You know, I was the CEO of a mid-sized business, and you know, knew enough to be dangerous about a lot of different things. Uh, it was my first experience as a CEO uh, of a real company. You know, I'd been in leadership roles in, in very small companies. And, and I just realized that, you know, the things that I was saying, right, the, the values that I was talking about, the vision that I had, you know, the ethos for how we wanted to be as an organization, that I wasn't living that. And there was this huge gap between uh, what I aspired for us as an organization and how I was transacting that as a human being in my moment-to-moment conversations. And I was being, you know, I was being too soft with people in one way. I was being too tough with people in another and, and I was just letting people down. And at the same time, I was just kind of all consumed by, you know, the, the leadership position and it, and it impacted my marriage. It was impacting my health. And I was just really in a, in a really down moment, the most, you know, sort of dark night of the soul in my life of feeling like, you know, where am I? Like, what, what happened to the person that I wanted to become? I felt so split between my personal and professional self of who I wanted to be and, the, and these ideas that I 
that I felt so passionate about and, and my ability. I just felt totally lost in my ability to, to have conversations in the workplace that honored my, my deepest values. And uh, it was a very painful time. And I, and I somehow, with a, a lot of love and support from my wife and a couple people close to me, was able to manage my way through it. And then, you know, started developing some of these tools, really at survival, desperation, like I've, I've got to be able to figure this out for myself. And then as I started listening differently, started asking different questions, you know, the, the entrepreneur in me came back online and said, hey, I think, you know, people are telling you you're onto something. Uh, you know, I think you might be, might be time to start a business around this. And so I, I guess in a good way, that was the, the my personal struggle and, and, and leadership failure turned into my my present day occupation, which I think that happens for a lot of people. I was just going to say, isn't it interesting how many excellent models, services, software are are out there because someone needed to scratch their own itch on yeah. something that wasn't working for them. And those are some of the best tools out there. It's just, yeah. it's just again and again, we hear that. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had the next great app idea, but that's that's not that's not that's not what I built. I ended up building a communication and leadership company. Jonathan, I really appreciate your wisdom. The book is Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Jonathan. This is a challenging skill for a lot of us, holding people accountable. And Jonathan does a nice job, as you heard, of really exploring the process of doing this, but also speaking to the art, because there's certainly art to doing this well too. And it is something that is hard. And I'd invite you to consider sharing this conversation with others, especially if you know someone who, like you, would really like to get better at this, uh, holding people accountable. I know I would, and I'm taking things away from this conversation that I'm going to continue sharing with others. Uh, Please pass along this conversation to them. And if you're listening and this conversation got passed along to you, or maybe you're just picking up the show for the first time, welcome. So glad to have you as part of our listening community. And I would invite you as well to team up with the rest of our listeners in joining the free membership that's on the coachingforleaders.com website that'll give you access to a whole bunch more, including my 10-day audio course that's free titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. It is a great way to get up to speed on many of the conversations we've had on this show in the past almost six years now. If you'll give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days, I'll help you to get the most immediate practical actions to become a more effective leader. In addition to that, there's a ton of other resources that are inside the membership portal on the website. It's completely free. You can join just by going over to coachingforleaders.com, and that will get you started on all of those benefits in the free membership, including the weekly leadership guide coming this Wednesday. And of course, I'll have the links in that for everyone, for everything we mentioned in today's conversation as well, and all the links that Jonathan mentioned. There's uh, several shows that I'm thinking about in relation to today's conversation as well that we've aired in the past. The first one is on episode number 192. Susan Gerke was on talking about how to create team guidelines. And of course, a big part of accountability, as we talked about a bit in this conversation, is about expectations and guidelines. And if you, in addition to managing People are also managing teams, as many of us are. Episode 192 is a really important conversation for you. Susan and I talk through the detailed steps that are really important for leaders to be considering uh, if taking over leadership of a team or maybe just wanting to get more effective at leading the existing team that you already have. So episode 192 is a great starting point for that. On episode 253, David Berkus and I talked about new management practices of leading organizations. And one of the things that David did in that conversation is really challenged 
a lot of the preconceived notions many of us have for how to manage. And things are different these days, and things are going to continue to change in organizations. And David is really a great thinker at the forefront of some of the changes that are working for organizations out there and working for leaders. And if you want to hear some of them, go over to episode 253. You can hear um, some of the ways organizations are navigating things differently. And one of them is salary transparency. More and more organizations are starting to become more open about salaries and who's getting paid what and how decisions are made around salaries. And David talks a lot about that on episode 253. And then also uh, a different perspective from this conversation, uh, but also related is on episode 258, moving beyond command and control. On that episode, I welcomed Brian Robertson to the show. He is the founder of Holacracy, and he talked about that different management structure. Uh, There's still expectations involved. There's still accountability involved, but it's a different way of looking at how to frame an organization. And I think you'll find it valuable and get you thinking about different ways that you may utilize accountability within the structure of an organization. It's not right for everyone, but it uh, it's a perspective that I think you'll find really interesting uh, for your benefit as a leader and just thinking about how you get results in the organization. Again, that's episode 258. You can get to all of those episodes just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. That is the very best way to get access to any episode all the way back to episode number one. And speaking of episodes, I'm going to have more episodes coming up in the next few months answering questions. Bonnie and I do the Q&A episodes uh, the first Monday of every month, of course. But in addition to that, we're going to be welcoming Joe Knight back to the show, who originally was on episode 244, talking to us about financial intelligence and his book by the same name. And we're going to be having him back. But this time, instead of just talking about some of the key principles that uh, are out of the book, Joe's going to be answering our questions about numbers, finances, uh, reporting, you name it. If it's related to money and it is something you're wondering about on how to be a more effective leader and how to build your financial acumen, send in your question to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. I'll have a link in this week's weekly leadership guide as well for you to send in your question. I'd love to consider it for that upcoming show with Joe. In addition, I'm going to be welcoming Kwame Christian to the show. He's going to be talking to us about persuading others, dealing with difficult people, and how to say no And that's also going to be Q&A show. So we're going to be tackling questions of folks from the listening community here. So if you have a question around how you persuade more effectively, how do you deal with difficult people, or maybe how to say no better, send that question in as well. Kwame and I are going to do our best to tackle that coming up uh, here in the next couple of months. So uh, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is where to go. And thanks to everyone who's already RSVP'd for some of the upcoming meetups that I'm going to be hosting. The next one is coming up in Denver on Monday, July 24th, 2017. We now have a location. Thank you to listener Emily Norcross in Denver for partnering up with us and the group Modern Millennial Managers. Also in Denver, we're going to be doing a joint meetup now. uh, We've got a great location. Thanks to Emily. We're going to have dinner. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're in the Denver area on July 24th, 2017, here's where to go. Coaching for Leaders dot com slash Denver. Check it out. All the details are there. I look forward to meeting you in person. And if you're near me in Orange County, California, Thursday, August 17th, coachingforleaders.com slash Orange County. All the details are there. I look forward to meeting many of you in person. Have a great week. See you next Monday. Take care.